On today's episode of The Connection Codes, we have Chris Cruz in the studio, Whoa. my dining room, with <laughs> us, and he is going to be sharing his journey with The Connection Codes, mm-hmm. what life looked like before he and his wife mm-hmm. used these tools, and now how it's changed all of their interactions with their children and just brought so much peace and clarity into their home. So welcome to the Connection Codes podcast. This is the podcast where we break open our emotions that take us from being disconnected to connected in your relationships and in yourself. I am your host, Tara Wages, and joining me is marriage and family therapist, clinical sexologist, Dr. Glenn Hill, and his incredible wife, Phyllis. And together, they have founded The Connection Codes, which is the guide to human connection. And we're so glad you're here. Hello, world. Hi, friends. So we are super excited today to have a dear friend on the podcast. And the fun thing is, is he's actually here in town. And so he's sitting at the table with us, which is really, really cool. So welcome, Chris Cruz from Redding, California. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be here. Good to be in the flesh with y'all. Yes, that is super cool. Uh, and uh, we would love it if Lana was here, oh, but yes. uh, she's just had a baby, so mm-hmm. she's not yeah. traveling much no. yet. And <laughs> so we will just take Chris today. But yeah, you get me. It would have been way better if you got her. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, we miss her for sure. So first of all, congratulations mm-hmm. on having another baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty Wild. awesome. Yeah. And, you know, before we uh, went on air today, we were just talking about kind of the Connection Codes journey with the Cruz family, mm-hmm. with the Cruz household. So uh, for our listeners who don't know any of that, give a little background. Like, how mm-hmm. did you find Connection Codes and how has that impacted your family and your life? Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive in. I found Connection Codes. Uh, I first had a conversation with another pastor that told me about some of the work you guys were doing. Even firstly, it was in the realm of sex and some of the stuff that was happening in their marriage due to their connecting with you guys and your late night stuff. Well, I don't even know if late night was a thing at the point when this pastor was meeting with you guys and just, just getting the help that you guys were offering there. And he was saying things that I just frankly had never heard a Christian say that I was like, you're, can you say that again? Because I haven't heard anybody say sex and that and be a Christian. Can you can you back up for a second? And I was a bit shocked. And I was like, whoa, this is different than what? But not even shocked in the sense of like, this is bad. It was like shocked in the sense of like, could this be true? And so that was a spurred conversation. Then I had heard another friend say they had met with you. All while on the, on the backside here, my wife and I were getting to this spot where we were like, we've been, I think it was married like at that point, it might've been like nine or 10 years. And we were like, all right, we got two kids and we are trying to figure this out. It felt like we were missing each other pretty consistently. We were having these moments where we would have mountaintop moments and then valley moments and the valley moments lasted longer than we wanted them to last. And then we started to feel, I started to find myself not truly being myself more and more. And Lana, my wife, pretty consistently addressing the lack of me that's showing up and me realizing, man, there's stuff we've got to figure out in our dynamic. And so then what I tell people so often, like you'll have mount and just the candor of it uh, is you'll have mountaintop moment sex that will cover the valleys of like disconnection. 
that will then lead you to feel like you're okay and you're good and you don't need help. And so then all of a sudden we were like, we just need to address the fact that we're doing okay, but we need help. Cause it was always like, you get help when you're at the end and you're broken and your marriage is on its last rope and you, that's when you go get help. So if you were to get help, it was because you were like, we're done. And we were done. And unless you help us, this thing isn't going to last. We didn't want to get there. We, we were like, let's, let's start to get some help. So then when those two, uh, two, those two friends informed me about you guys, both in just connection level and then the, on the sexual connection level, at that time, I, just, I told my wife we were coming home from a really painful birthday, and we are like, we just need to get help. Mm-hmm. And we were both saying, we agree. We, she's like, I agree. We need to get help. And I was like, let me just cold email Dr. Glenn. I looked on the website, found your email, and just straight cold emailed you saying, hey, I heard from a friend that this is what you do. Don't really know anything about you, but I would love to see if I could set up a meeting with you. I had no clue. And then you were like, wait a second. You should just take the webinar. We're doing another <laughs> webinar. It's the second one we're doing. Just, just take wow. it. And we were like, all right, we'll take it. And we were all in. And then from there, we, we hosted a webinar. Mm-hmm. We hosted multiple webinars, a uh, late night webinar. And we, we just, we went in. We, there was no going back after that. Wow. So that's how we got introduced to you guys. As far as it changing our lives, that's another part of the conversation too. It's, mm. So I don't know if we want to go deep into that right now, but that's how we found you guys. Wow, love that. And I, you know, I was one thing you've already said that I appreciate so much, and we actually talk about this a lot with Tira and, and Glenn and I, that so sadly people wait. Yeah. And, and I know even yeah. uh, you often say the statistic is seven yeah. years after like it's not seven years into marriage; it's seven years after you're at the bottom. Yeah, after disaster. Yeah, before yeah. you reach out and get help. That's the average. That is, and it is so Which sad. For me, that, that's the equivalent of you. Your house is on fire, and seven years later, you call the fire department, and they pull up with the truck, and they're like, "What? What? what, what I'm confused. Why? Why did you bother calling us? It's right. it's it's so far gone." You know, you don't see a mechanic until your car is just billowing smoke and, you know, the tires have fallen off the rims. And then you're like, yeah, we probably should get some help. I'm like, and, you know, I have a good poker face when people come in and sit with me. Uh, but there's a lot of times I'm just like, oh, my gosh. You know, we're whatever, seven years, five years, ten years into this pain and trauma. And now we're supposed to get busy? Uh, which, again, that's my role. That's part of what I do. But I'm like, dang, I sure would have loved to have gotten on this six years ago, uh, which, of course, is our story. We wish that we had um, got had, had a clue many, many years before we did. Mm. Well, so I, I love that. I love that you and Lana were intentional yeah, and you were like, you know, we don't want to wait till that happens. We yeah. want to figure this thing out. And so, um, yeah, keep going. Tell us the next piece, like what became a practical change um, for well, you. That's the hardest thing we've ever done. Can I mention mm. one other thing real quick here, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Just that uh, I hope you get that with Chris's story. Just It was just somebody just reached out to him, said, mm. hey, dude, check this out. And, you know, we say to our listeners all the time, tell three people, mm. just contact Don't your like friends, me. say, check it out. You know, mm. maybe you'll hate Dr. Glenn. You'll like Phyllis, but maybe you won't like him. <laughs> but whatever, just give it a shot. And so as a listener, as a connection mm. coder, just tell people, uh, you may not know the perfect spiel, the perfect president. Just tell people, hey, check this out, which is exactly mm-hmm. you know Chris's story. Yeah. So it's it, we checked it out, and it was the hardest thing we had ever done. Mm. No question. But it is by far, I tell people, by far the most fruitful thing we've ever done. Can you go into the hardness? Yeah, the hardness was the like 
so I mean, just at the beginning, the the idea of addressing, being able to identify your emotions, not being indicted by them, the emotions of another person. So not being indicted by my wife processing her hurt, her pain, her sadness, her guilt, her shame. Uh, and then it's so many things, right? The first, there's an unwrapping. Uh, and one thing you'll find out in this first time I'm on your podcast, and hopefully we'll have many more conversations, is I'm very candid. Like, it's really hard for me to not tell you exactly what I'm thinking about something. So in the beginning, it addressed all my religious jargon around emotions, right or wrong, bad or good, and always being in the like, joy is the only good one. And so if, unless you're having joy, something's broken. And so to address, yes, exactly. Like you're not spending enough time with God if you're not feeling continual ecstasy. If you're not living in constant joy, you're doing something wrong. If you're feeling fear, there's some kind of big massive issue that you have with God that you need to address rather than I'm just feeling, it's just, I'm like, I didn't pick, I didn't like, I didn't wake up in the morning and go, you know, it'd be really good for my day. A good dose of fear. You know, it'd be really good, a good dose of shame and guilt. So the getting past some of my initial like frameworks of how I viewed emotions, then my wife, who I've said is like the Jedi, I'm like the Padawan, she's, she gets it immediately. The ability for her to then address the emotions, it felt like I was hearing every day how I was destroying my wife. Of like, here I was, oh, I felt hurt today, felt pain today, felt this today. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I, like, I remember driving one time, from, we were driving down from Mount Lass and she's processing another one. My face just went, Ooh. and I was like, I feel like I am the worst person on the planet right now. Like all I'm doing, and then it was realizing how much I was still being indicted by her emotions. And so I'm going, I am being so indicted by everything you're saying. And it was so hard to take that turn to be able to go and just listen to her and let it be without being like, I'm taking this personally, like I hurt you. I made you feel sad. I made you feel guilt, which then also pushes up against some other religious things that are like, I don't, this is your responsibility, not mine. If, if you're feeling that, that's because of you and your insecurities, not the fact that you feel pain is because you're insecure or something like that, or you're, it's hitting on a broken. Yeah. Yeah. Something's broken in you. If you were, if you, if you were healthy, you wouldn't get pain. It was the stoicism that people pass on as mature spirituality. That's so destructive. And so I was, it was breaking every time my wife would process an emotion, it was breaking another layer off. And so that's what made it, that was some of the things that made it hard. And losing, when your wife tells you she lost identity and you realize your partner, your dream come true is losing her like sense of self and worth with you. It's like, man, if I don't change this, if I don't figure out how to hear this, if I don't like, this is the dream. Like, look what you have in front of you, Chris, wake up, hear this woman, dance with this woman, figure it out. Like, start to not get in, like, indicted. Like, start to, as Dr. Glenn go, Chris, you care. And then he didn't finish at that. He's like, too much. <laughs> He's like, you got, like, wait a second, but she's not talking about you. And I was like, oh, it sure feels like she's talking about me. And so having to really turn the corner of being indicted yeah. was a big deal. Which we hear this a lot. Mm. This is where a lot of yeah. people oh get stuck yep. because they're like, what do I do when my partner is sharing with me mm. what they're experiencing mm -hmm. from me? 
but now I feel guilt. I'm feeling mm-hmm. all of these emotions. Then what's next? Cyclones. <laughs> and so then, yes, yeah. then it turns into yeah. a cycle. Mm-hmm. And so what, when did that shift happen mm-hmm. for you? Do you remember a moment where it clicked of, oh, she's mm-hmm. not indicted. I don't need to defend yeah. myself. I'm not a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Where did that shift come? And there, that's just what's happening with her. Exactly. And it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, you yeah. already know this, Chris, but you know we can just say, Lana, stop it. You don't stop <laughs> feeling that. You stop experiencing yeah. that, and you shut up about it, which is, we don't say those words, but that's what we do. do. Yeah, uh, and, totally. Yeah, that's so good. And so it was, it's, it started to turn, honestly, there's two, there's a, there's a handful of things I have. I feel like a different human. Mm. So there's a couple of things. One thing I knew is I was also getting frustrated because I wasn't processing fully my own emotion. So I'm going, all I'm hearing is just my crap, so to speak at that moment, I'm getting indicted, but at the same time, I'm not going, what am I feeling? What's happening for me? So the, the fact that I wasn't fully processing caused me to be indicted so significantly more because I was not processing. I was unwilling to address stuff that I was feeling out of whatever, like whether I couldn't identify it or I was uh, filled with fear to say what I was feeling because I f- was, was scared to process the emotion. Um, so there was that part of like, okay, I'm not doing this. Therefore, I'm feeling a ton of stuff that I'm not saying, which puts me at uh, building these dams. So every time you process another thing, it's just hidden another area for me. Um, so it was one I, I had to start. I had to start doing as much as she was. I had to start processing as much as she was processing, which was every day, <laughs> like just going through this wheel every day. So I had to start doing that. Then uh, through multiple sessions with Dr. Glenn and Phyllis, Dr. Glenn being like, "Whoa, whoa, Chris, hold on. She's not talking about you." And, and this is what's happening in her. Mm. This is not because you did this. Removing the phrase, you made me feel. Like going, wait, this is what's just what she's feeling. This is what's happening for her. This says, maybe you were part of the equation somehow, but whatever, she felt this. And I was like, wait a second. So you're telling me like, I could have all of the best intentions. Mm. Everything is right because that's the issue I had. Hang up. My, I didn't intend to hurt you. It's like who intends to stab somebody? Like unless you're an like an absolute bad person. I was going to say something. I don't know if the podcast would have been to say, but like unless you're that kind of person, you don't just stab somebody. So like the idea that like oh I'm, my intentions were never to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody intends to hurt somebody like that. So I was locked up in my intentions weren't to do this, and so. Then it was realizing, okay, I didn't intend to hurt you, but you still felt hurt. My intentions were good. I wanted to actually help you. So I stopped defending myself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I stopped defending my motives and I stopped defending why I was doing things because she wasn't getting heard mm. when I was defending things. Right. And so she's like, can you, like, I get you have the best intentions in the world, Chris. You're amazing. I still felt pain. I still, mm. like, okay, this is, and that one, it was like, all right, this is different. Mm. And I started to tune into her going, this is just what's happening. You need to flow. You need to let this flow from you without anybody resisting you. You need to let this go. It doesn't mean at the end of the day, everything you're saying is even factual or true, or I agree with you because I completely disagree with what you just said, Mm. but I'm going to let you flow. Mm. Mm. Vera, my wife's coaching basically telling me to 
this is, you got to fix that. That doesn't work. And Dr. Glenn and Phyllis chiming in on that. So it was really like getting myself processing emotions to then allowing um, myself to not worry about my motivations and my intentions, but just realize and tune into my wife going, this is what is happening for her. Yeah. Because it came up, this is not about sex in this episode, but it came up a lot also in sex. For sure. Because I'm like, I didn't intend to make you feel shame or guilt. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, and then you were like, I'm the worst human being. If I made my wife feel guilt and shame in the vulnerability of sex, I must be gross. Realizing, oh, wait, this, I may have done nothing wrong. It's just what's happening for her. It was like my light, the lights turned on. And then it was like stuff started getting smoother. The current started flowing. A lot of dams broke in the kitchen for me, b- bursting into tears as I started to process some deep shame, some deep guilt, parent guilt that I was just, parent shame that I was holding on to in the sense of like as a dad already, my son is six and just deep waves of guilt and shame that I was like, oh gosh, I can feel it as I even process it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that day I yelled at my kid or that, these dams breaking over and over again to get myself so to the present of what I was feeling. That also helped me here. A hundred percent. That's probably my favorite part of what these mm-hmm. tools do is the freedom that it brings you mm-hmm. as the person. Yes. Because I relate to that so much. I've said it many times on the podcast that I am like defensive. Mm-hmm. I was the middle of the three kids that were at home, one of five. And so I am, I'm ready to come back at you mm-hmm. just because of my childhood. And so always Wes would present something to me and I've got to defend myself. I've got, I've got to defend my intentions. And now I have so much freedom. They're like, I don't have to do that anymore. But what's been weird for us is Wes is so used to him telling me how, what he's, what's happening for him and me coming back at him that now that I don't come back at him, he's like, I need you to talk to me. Like I I need, I need more than the space is void. Like, and so even recently, um, I was like, I ooed him and he, uh, I was like, you need, you need more of that. Like, do you want me to defend myself? <laughs> you know? And he's like, no, but it does. It brings not only the connection, but it brings freedom. And I, I love that. Yeah. 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 You know, and we uh, say so often that, I mean, Chris could live perfectly for the next year, which if we want to vote on that, I'll vote for it. That'd be great. But Lana is still going to experience what she experienced. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if Chris is perfect or 98% perfect or 84, pick a number. You know, does, does Chris contribute to what Lana experiences? Maybe, probably, I guess. I mean, any two people living in close proximity are going to bump into each other, are going to step on each other's toes. But I'm not blaming Chris that Lana mm-hmm. experienced something. I mean, just like you say, dude, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing it on purpose, well, now we're talking about a whole nother yes. level. You know, Chris hates Lana and wants to destroy her. Well, now we have another issue. But at best I know, Chris never wants to harm Lana, wants to wound Lana. He adores her. Mm-hmm. He just misses on stuff. And again, mm-hmm. whether he misses or not, Often. Lana still experienced what she experienced. And we can tell her, stop experiencing that, Lana. Chris didn't mean anything bad by it. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, shut up about it. Stop and existing. It, right, stop existing exactly. Chris. Yeah, don't be a human. <laughs> it, right. Because a human experiences what they experience. They just do. And they have the right to experience it and they have the right to convey it. Uh, and so as, and, uh, you know, we always try to convey, we're just pilgrims on the journey. We're just a little mm-hmm. further down the trail than some people, uh, as Phyllis and I've got better and better at that, just, I'm just entertained by what she experiences. Cause 
it doesn't make a bit of sense to me so much of the time because I would not experience that exact same thing as she does and vice versa because I experience stuff that she's like, wait, what happened there? I feel like I'm missing that. And then I share it with her. Well, it didn't make any sense to her. She would never experience that scenario the way that I did, but I did. So mm-hmm. again, she can tell me, well, stop it. Stop experiencing that and shut mm-hmm. up about it. Or she can ooh me and just be present, be safe. And frequently, I don't know what the percentage is, I think it's a high percentage, Phyllis walks away from those encounters going, huh, well, I'll be darned. So that's my guy. That That's what happens for him there. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's totally different. It doesn't make a bit of sense to me. And, you know, we don't even use phrases like I get it and I understand mm-hmm. very often. Because the vast majority of the time, I don't understand Mm -hmm. what happened for her. She doesn't get, she gets me, but she doesn't get that thing that happened for me. But she can just ooh me uh, and be safe. And it does release, I mean, you know, we use that phrase, you know, care less. um, Because it becomes so freeing Mm -hmm. that, okay, I can just be present with the girl and Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Doesn't make sense to me. But there's so much pressure release it. I don't have to try to fix her. I don't have to try to fix even that one thing that happened for her. I'm just going to be mm-hmm. present with her and go, oh, wow. Yeah. Dang, well, it's okay. it's the what's triggering in my brain right now, what story is a, a really recent one for me, a processing fear, where we're, I forget, it was like maybe like a week ago, a week before my wife uh, delivered our, our latest baby, Luna, and we're in the bed and we're just processing stuff. And, and I said, I... I have this, I have a fear and I have a fear on top of that fear. Mm. And she's like, okay. Uh, she tuned, starts tuning in. Like, again, my wife's a Jedi on the, it, she's the one. So when I sound good, it's because she's good, like at it. Um, when, so I said, I have the fear on, and there's a fear on top of that fear. And she's like, okay, well, what's the first fear? And I said, the, the first fear is that I'm going to make you, that it's, when I process this, it's going to freak you out. Mm. Like th- that you're just going to spiral mm-hmm. with my fear. And she's like, oh, I get that. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. What's the fear? <laughs> I said, and I started crying. I was like, fear that I'm going to lose you and lose this baby. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, like that's, that, that's where we're going towards. That in the hospital, something's going to happen. You're going to die. And this baby's going to die. We had a miscarriage before this baby. And so mm-hmm. it was like, something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, and she just tunes in. Like, she's just like. Mm-hmm. Oh, babe. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Yeah, I hear that. Mm. She's like, that's, she, she's like, that's terrifying. Mm. That like you, you hearing that and th- having that happen for you mm. would be so scary. And I'm like, yeah, it's real scary. Real scary. <laughs> like worst case scenario, babe. Worst case scenario. Mm. Processed it and I just, like I could feel it flow downstream. Mm. And I could feel myself loosen up. I can, so it's, it's being able to like, for me, like have the courage, like, even if I have to say, I have fear about the thing I want to process about, I have to do that because processing emotion is somehow scary for me for some reason, whatever, Mm. which way or that, I don't know why, but some, especially when we get into the sexual joy stuff, it's scary for me to process those kinds of things because for some reason it is. And uh, when you ask the question about other things that help me to turn the corner, I remembered when Dr. Glenn also and Phyllis, when they were talking with us, they said, um, if a bookshelf fell on Lana's foot and she's screaming, would you tune into that? Or would you kind of just be like, well, see, you shouldn't feel any pain from that book shall fall on your foot. I'd be like, no, I'd be like, oh gosh, what's going on? 
What's funny is with my kids, I don't have that response. So I had to start figuring out what's going on with me with my kids when they get in pain. And I'm just kind of like, what did you do? <laughs> versus, versus tuning into their pain. And so for some reason, my kids, it's a different scenario than if my wife falls. <laughs> but I'm working on that one. But the, when I remember like, oh, wait, the brain doesn't distinguish physical pain wow. from emotional pain. Mm. If a bookshelf fell on her, I'd be right there sitting with her, mm. caring for her. Not going, you shouldn't have hit that bookshelf. Mm. Mm. But emotionally, I was doing that. Mm-hmm. So then I had to realize, oh, I, there's, there's something here that I need to tune into that I'm not tuning into because wow. X, Y, and Z. Mm. Yeah. That is so good. And, you know, now that you've kind of touched on that, because um, you've done it now a couple of times, just as far mm-hmm. as with the kids. So oh, yeah. how... How has connection codes changed just the interaction oh, with the kids? It's remarkable. Like before we had connection codes, my oldest Solomon and I would have some pretty intense moments where I would walk away feeling like the scum of the earth because I was so frustrated with him as he was frantic, punching me, kicking me, screaming, slamming doors, dents in the walls as he's throwing stuff. He's like just, I mean, I'm out of t- tune with it. Like, I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking, I'm trying my best to endure like Jesus, the hits, but I'm freaking out internally. I'm like, I'm on level 10 anger. I'm on level 10 guilt and fear. I'm, but I don't have the language for that. I'm just flooded with emotion. And then it becomes like, I'm trying to deal with him. And my wife walks in and I'm like, stopping her. Like, you need to leave because now you're triggering me too. When I'm, it was, so it was chaotic trying to, in those high tense moments for my son. Well, then we started to introduce the tools. We started to go like, well, buddy, what, what's, uh, what's happening? They don't, immediately they didn't know the words. So the emojis on the pictures were helpful. Um, and my wife being able to consistently be present and just kind of even guide me through being present because I, I found myself kind of like getting to that, like when we talk about when you're on the ledge of what level of anger, I'm like, I'm, I found myself quickly to that 25 feet of anger or guilt or shame and not being able to handle the situations. So having to walk away because I'm so frustrated that I could probably break a chair and being like, okay, I need to figure this out. So s- starting to have them take the emotion wheel and walk them through, what are you feeling? Is it sadness? Is it loneliness? Is it, and it took time. It wasn't like automatic. It wasn't like all of a sudden my son was an expert. Uh, he, he needed to figure out, like it was like drawing or writing. He, he, the, here's a pencil. Now write your letters. And the first letters like scribbled. But then over time, we are tuning into each other and he's processing. And the tantrums started to drop dramatically. They started to drop dramatically. Him and I started to have less and less of these chaotic blowups that... Him and him had to repair. Like the one thing I had going for me is anytime there was a blow up, I'd be back in his room apologizing, trying to rebuild connection somehow. So I had that. But when we started to use the tools on a consistent basis with them, not just periodically, it was like, yeah. it's like when we tell people like, you got to do it. It's the, my like friends who've done the course. They're like, oh, we took the connection codes. I'm like, when's the last time you, you, uh, you process your emotions? They're like... Uh, uh, never, never. I'm like, don't tell me you did the course. Then I'm like, that's like, yeah. I'm like, that's that's. I'm like, I want to be like, that's BS. Like that, you're not doing it. Like, 
that's not the core. That's not the tools. Yeah. You anybody can take a course if they're not doing it, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I go go to a gym trainer. He's going to teach you how to be fit. You don't go to the gym, you're still not going to be fit. And so our kids, we were like, we have to consistently do this. And then I remember these moments that were just remarkable. These highlight moments. I remember my son goes to the couch. He's having this frantic moment. He puts himself on the couch and he says, hey, dad, this is when he was four. Or yeah, four, just a little bit closer to five, maybe. He goes, hey, dad, can you get that wheel off the fridge to help me to figure out what I'm feeling? And I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy, let's let's sit and tune into this. Let's do this. And so they're doing that. Okay, I'm sorry. We just have to repeat that. And I don't know if I should say it or Chris said it. Because just to understand, a four-year-old, okay, this is not master's level. This is not a PhD. This is just a four-year-old who's been, this has been introduced to him by his parents. And he's like, yeah. And this is what we hear all the time from literally Families, parents all over the world that are like, oh, my three-year-old, my four-year-old, my five-year-old, my kids love uh, this. And they get it so much faster than adults. Now do. his sister, when he's, yeah, his, his sister will see that okay. he's processing. Wow. She'll see it <laughs> as he sits down with us mm. and we start talking. She sees it. She runs to the fridge, That's grabs the wheel, and will hand it to him. Mm. And then he'll start talking. We had another with her, like big concepts about some big changes in our life mm-hmm. and she's sitting there going fear fear she's oh, just saying she's scared goodness. and she's processing all of this mm-hmm. and my wife and i are voice noting back and forth the process with her and she's going through mm-hmm. the wheel and she's doing it and she's sharing her scared what's it what's the scared what's the fear uh, fear that all my toys or something like that just and you're like doesn't make any sense <laughs> what but she's feeling real fear yep. like it's real yep. for her and so doing all that, then one day recently, this is another recent amazing moment. My son has, um, we, we got a, a, an email from the school about him being a bit physical in, in a playful way, but like with kids, like the wrestling and being too frantic and he's high energy. He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. He's got so much in him and he's so creative. He goes to an art school and he's so creative, but he's also so athletic. And so he's pushing his, anyway, on the cat, on the dinner table, we, we, we were like, we're missing something. Like something's, it's, it's, he's just not, we're not seeing what is normal to him. He's freaking out about a homework assignment. He's just losing it. And we're like, something is happening. We don't know. We're like, like, but what, what am I missing right now? Like, what is happening? Fill me in. And then he'll go, you know what, dad, you know what, at school? And I'm like, okay, here we go. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, so. What happened? And he started going like, oh, oh, bud. Wow. So what happened for you there? And his, you know, the frown comes in and the tears start. I felt, felt shame. I was like, oh, what was the shame? Wow. That I, I was embarrassed in the class. I'm like, oh, my Very gosh, true. buddy. So well, then I was like, you know what else then, Dad? Then I felt bad. I felt like I did something bad because they took away recess. And so I didn't, I didn't get to go play. So I felt bad that I didn't. And then I felt bad that they were going to tell you. And I was like, oh, buddy. And this is all in there. Yep. This is all yeah. in there. And he's like holding it in. Yeah. And then it's just a crack open moment where he floods out for 20 minutes. Yeah. Letting it go. It was so powerful. And dude, most parents, I don't like to say never, never get that. I mean, yeah. I think about my childhood. And I literally don't remember ever sharing anything 
I mean, I broke my arm when I was a kid and never told my parents. My mother figured it out several days later. <laughs> I had a broken arm. And I'm thinking, what the heck is happening with a five-year-old that he doesn't say, ow? <laughs> that, that's, I, I mean, for me, that's not even possible. Kid breaks his arm, doesn't say, ow. That, this is funky. And I'm not mad at my parents about it. I think they were doing the best that they knew <laughs> how in the moment. But I'm thinking, that's some intense stuff. So just the fact that you not only are present with Solomon, but that you can help him, mm-hmm. and you've laid this incredible uh, just foundation, this safe space for him to share all this with you, and it just gushes. And Lana's, Lana, like, Lana will come mm-hmm. in with them throughout all of the... She'll start dinner times with like, Hey, okay, let's talk. Fill me in. What happened? What did we miss? And she's just this guru through this with them. And these moments, even when I when I act like a complete jerk to them, like when I'm like, man, I did not handle that well. I've gone back into the room with Solomon. I've sit with him, and I'll go, hey, so what happened for you with Dad when he did that? And when I when I raised my voice and I grabbed your arm and pulled you into the room, really frustrated, and I was too rough with you. What happened for you? Mm. Versus like, hey, can you just forgive me? Right. I was like, wow. What happened for you? Mm. And he goes, I. F-, and he gets so he's like, I felt scared. Mm. I go, oh, buddy, what was the scared? Scared that you were gonna hurt me. Wow. I'm like, oh, dude, I get that would be so scary. Mm. Yes. And I'm like, what else? What else happened for you? He's like, sad, 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 sad. I'm like, wow. oh, but in this, I'm in tears, right? I'm like, oh, buddy, I get the sadness. Oh, and then I go, do you know, I feel so much guilt. I feel so, Solomon, I feel so much guilt. I was not good in that moment. I feel so much guilt about when I did that. And he's like, oh, dad. And I go, what, what, what do you need, Solomon? What, what do you need right now? He goes, a hug, a hug. And he just put, goes and I just give him a hug. And so it's like, Lana's doing it with it. I'm doing, we're a team. Yeah. We're team. We're doing it together. We're. It's not just. It's not like one parent's fighting for this. It's all of us. A hundred percent. One thing I, I'm love that you shared that part because I think every parent experiences those moments of, "Who I just lost mm. it on my kid, yeah. and now what do I do next? What are my next moves?" Yeah. And we all feel shame about it because none of us talk about the fact that we lost our crap on our kids <laughs> oh, yeah. the night before. So I really appreciate that vulnerability. But I also want to acknowledge the dining room table situation yeah. at the homework. Yeah. Because this goes back to what we all experience in so many relationships, whether it's your married relationship with your kids, with your coworker, he was flooded over something that happened that you didn't see, Yep. but you are now seeing the result of it hours and hours mm. later. Mm-hmm. And so often we live in disconnect yeah. with someone over the reaction to something that happened that we never even saw. So that is why these tools are so powerful because they help you get past that logistic of the homework Mm -hmm. into the core of what happened Mm -hmm. hours before. So true. The shame, the guilt that he still carried in Mm -hmm. his body and that would have stayed in his body Mm -hmm. and affected him in other ways Mm -hmm. the next day and the next day. Mm -hmm. But the... Now he was able to get them out. Mm -hmm. And we've had several episodes recently about disorders of the psyche Mm -hmm. and how our psyche gets messed up when we have all of these unprocessed Mm -hmm. emotions. And so the fact that your children Mm -hmm. at four Mm -hmm. are processing this, Mm -hmm. what are you setting them up for in the future? And so if we want to 
cure, mm-hmm. you know, psychological disorders. Yeah. If you have fear mm. of all of these things that we hear about all the time, this is how we do it, mm-hmm. you know? So true. And yeah. the interesting thing that we've done that I've told people that when my wife and I are not in the same room, like you're talking about where things are happening that you don't experience with them, like being out here. My wife's not out here on this trip. Voice note, I am feeling fear, loneliness, sadness, and I'm voice noting her, my emotions and what I'm, and she's hearing it back through the text and we're going back and forth and it's, Mm. it's happening even though we're not in the same room and she's not even aware of the things that I'm experiencing. And so, but it's my willingness and our connection. That's like, it's safe to process this. It's safe to say this, even when you're not ex- seeing the things that I'm experiencing. Right. Yeah. We talk about that a lot as well, because often, you know, if there's a parent that stays home, they've had a full day of experiences. Right. And then the dad will walk into the door, the other partner will walk into the door, and then they're just like bombarded mm. with all of this emotion. And they now make it about themselves. You're mad at me because mm. I wasn't home. And it was all of <laughs> those things the story that happened. For me so well. Yes. Like all of the things that happened earlier. And so for y'all to still be doing that in real time to where when you're walking in the door, you know what day she's yeah. had. Mm-hmm. You know what this experience has been. And oh. not in a like, I'm guilting you mm-hmm. for being gone. Or, oh, yeah. The kids are crazy the, the and I'm feeling so much. Angry. But just, hey, I'm hit with this mm-hmm. in this moment and I need to get it out of my yeah. body. Yeah, so true. huge. Well, mm-hmm. And let me just say real quickly, because what we tend to do is we just discipline the behavior of the kids. Mm-hmm. And we never find out that oh, wait, something was happening there before, and mm. all I'm doing is disciplining the result. Mm. Wow. We never actually get to the cause. <clears throat> so, you know, we're, we're treating the symptom instead mm-hmm. of treating, uh, you know, what actually happened before that right. led uh, mm. to the symptom. So we, I say to people all the time, dude, get on steroids, and it looks like you're on steroids. And mm-hmm. I mean, emotional connection coast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. I would take it further than that, Glenn, and say that we also discipline our partners. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. It Absolutely. looks different. <laughs> yeah. But if we walk into a house and we just see, mm-hmm. you know, yep. anger yeah. come out, we are going to remove ourselves from that person. Mm-hmm. You know, we are going to still wow. face that person. We are going to mm-hmm. move away from pain. That is a form of adult discipline. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is what is creating so much disconnection mm-hmm. in our homes because we aren't saying the words. Mm-hmm. We are just reacting to the the outburst, mm-hmm. the actions that we're seeing. Well, th- and what you're saying too, like Dr. Glenn and Phyllis, when we met with them one time and Lena's sharing with her experience of me coming home from work and how big of a disconnect moment that was. And so it'd be so funny. Like when we met with them, it'd be amazing, right? Lana would process something. Glenn and Phyllis would hear it. And then I love Phyllis would all of a sudden go, Chris, well, she'll come out the corner and she's like, Chris, what happens for you when you're coming home? And I'm like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Uh, okay, hold on. Back up 10 steps. What's happening for me? What's happening? for? Hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm not even aware of what's happening for me because I'm. the moment is so frightening. Because And the reason it's frightening is I come home and it would feel so awkward and uncomfortable. And I'm like, this is my home. Why does this feel so weird? What is going on? Like the connection with my wife isn't there. The kids are frantic. Like the house is dirty. You're like, what is, what? like, yeah, I don't care about the house being dirty. I actually do. But like, what? that's not the cause of this. Mm. But I... I end up going in and I realized I had this pseudo responsibility of a dad that made me think my priority when I walk through the door is to run to my kids. 
because they're the first ones through. My wife is now invisible in the background mm. because those guys are quick and they're expressive. She's sitting on the table waiting to go, hello, do you see me? Do you do what is like, am I here? And I'm thinking I'm being a good dad. Why is this painful for you? Like wow. I'm being a good dad. I'm trying to care for the kids. You were just with them all day. I'm taking them off your hands. Like, isn't this like what you wanted? She's like, no, no, I want to be seen by you. I want to have that. I lose identity when you walk in the house and you go right to the kids. I lose identity. I'm like, oh, I had no clue. I thought I was doing the right thing by going to the kids. I'm realizing that may not be right or wrong, but I'm tuning into you losing identity and going, Dr. Glenn Phillips, we're like, Chris, you just need to tune into her right away. Like right away. We're like, what's, what's going on for you, babe? How are you? And the kids will come and just tell them, hold on, I'm taking care of the most important person. Wow. And I've said that to them. They come running out, hey, I love you guys, but mommy's my favorite. <laughs> mommy's my favorite. So I know that you guys wow. want me. I know you guys want to talk. Dad, 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 I want you. I'm like, mm. one second, bud. One second, little girl. I will be with you. Mm. Mommy's my favorite. Yeah. Wow. Mommy, what was your day like? And I'll, start, I'll talk with her now. That's changed how I come home. Yeah. That's yeah. so countercultural. Because, you know, in our culture, we say, oh, the kids come first. Uh, now, with sinking ships and uh, fire, yes, the kids come first, take care of the little ones. But that's about it in life. Uh, mm. And I missed on a ton of stuff as a, as a husband, as a, a dad. One of the things I did well on is I told my kids when they were real little, I mean, three, four years old, and our four adult children remember me telling them this, but I would say to them, your mom was here before you, and your mom will be here after you. Mm. You are not number one. You are not the priority. And you know how your kids will grab your feet and mm-hmm. walk and yes. drag them across the floor, which is a good way to dust the, the harder force. Uh, but my kids would do that. And they knew. I would, and I would speak to them. I'm not totally. saying I would ignore them. But I would not engage. They'd be like, Daddy, let me show you this thing I did. And I'm like, oh, we will, but not yet. And they'd grab my legs, and I would drag them across the floor, and I would go find Phyllis. And my adult children remember that. And they didn't know what it meant, you know, when they're three. But they knew it meant something. They knew mm-hmm. that, okay, we're not the priority. And that's so healthy mm-hmm. for them to not mm-hmm. think that they're the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. Wow, good for yeah. you. That's amazing. Awesome. Well, this was really good. Oh, my goodness. Uh, part one, part one. Yes. Oh, I can't wait for Atlanta to oh, come. Listen, to then you'll realize that you're like, whoa, golly. Yes. That's where it's from. Um, so we are going to wrap up our episode. At the end of every episode, we do our core emotion will, which is our tool mm. that helps you do everything that Chris has talked about today in processing your emotion. So by going through each core emotion, you are able to identify and then get it out of your body. So Chris, do you mind? Yeah, I can kick us off. Mm. Um, oh, I know the first one is fear. Mm. And it's a, it's the fear of uh, that I'm misrepresenting our family dynamics. Mm. Wow. That I'm like, oh gosh, am I telling it as it really is? Oh. There, all of a sudden there's this yeah. fear that hits place that Lana's going to be like, oh, that's not how it happened. So th- <laughs> there's just some fear in that. Yeah. Um, there's some loneliness in my wife not being with me. Mm. Um, being able to process that the sadness um, that I'm experiencing uh, most most recently, I can point to a sadness that is, um, uh, well, this I, we're being vulnerable, so we have to like, so it would be the sadness of when I know I have sexual joy, but my wife is still recovering from mm. um, oh, yeah. 
having a baby, and we've processed that. That's not new. That's not coming out on the podcast. We're like, whoa, Lana didn't hear that before. No, she knows that. She's heard that. Um, so the sadness would be some of that. Um, hurt the, let's see here. Last time I'm was hurt was, well, I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank right now on hurt. I'll just keep going, um, and then I'll come back to hurt. Anger, um, I had an interaction with, uh, with a person via text about something I was looking into, and I just felt core level anger by how they, how they interacted with me, um, that I was like, whoa, 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 I didn't, wait, what is going on? Like, I, I, it felt uh, like I was being interacted with in a way that just, I just got hit with core level anger, and I was like, I, no, this is not okay. Um, uh, the shame would be um, shame. Let's see here. Um, recently with shame. Here's an interesting thing with shame. I found that shame would often happen. I would diagnose it. I would be able to know what's going on because I would want to run away from everybody. Oh, wow. So my, I would tell my wife, I'm like, I want to run away from you right now. So I know it's shame. I just couldn't wow. figure out what it is, but I want to run away. Like All I want to do is go be by myself and not be around any human on the planet. And I know that that's my shame thing. And so that would probably be probably recently with some of my kids, some of the way that I interacted with them on some things would feel some shame. Some guilt would be in um, not getting in touch with uh, certain people that I wanted to get in touch with and feel some guilt about not reaching out to them. That um, Some joy was, uh, would be to see my wife again and my, and my kids and my new little girl, Luna, um, would be that. Um, and then hurt. I'm still struggling when the last time I got hurt. It's there. I know it's there. Um, well, what's a big time? Say again? What's a big time you felt hurt? Oh, a big one was um, when I – oh, I, I I felt hurt probably with some interactions with um, my parents about some stuff that I was like, oh, man, I'm feeling some pain and some things going on where I'm like, oh, that's painful or some other things – and that they're involving a certain situation. I'm like, oh, felt some pain in that. Um, wow. Yeah, I think I got them all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's amazing. Dang, dude. Love it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, thank you. And if you are listening and you're like, okay, my household, we are. We are just constantly putting out fires. We are fighting over the things that are in front of us and not getting behind it. So therefore, you're just a hamster wheel. You're going to be doing the same thing tomorrow and the next day. And you want help to get off that wheel and actually like function to a higher level of connection. Then you can go to our website and use 20% off code um, podcast 20 for our foundations course. Those are the tools that Chris took that he mm-hmm. learned that we've Dr. Glenn and Phyllis created that is just transforming how you interact with your partner, with your children, with everyone around you. And if you're interested in this core emotion, well, like, okay, I need to learn how to identify my emotions. Go to connectioncodes.co forward slash podcast. And thank you so much for listening. We love having you here and uh, share this podcast with your friends. Yes. And we try to always emphasize we're just pilgrims on the journey, but we're so passionate about this because it works. We are living it. We are startled literally every day like, dang, this is really cool. So that's the reason we say to you, you need this. You deserve this. So So let's let's do do this. this.